Her name is Pastor Myung-hwa. Uh, she's a graduate of Torch Seminary up in Seoul. Uh, she's a Busanite, meaning that she was born here. I'm also a Busanite. I was born here like uh, 11 years before her. I'm very old. Uh, but she's, uh, she's, she was born here in Busan. She was r- born and raised uh, and then moved up to Seoul to go to her university. And uh, she comes down to us today to give us the word of God. Let's welcome Pastor Myung-hwa Choi. Hello, everyone. Hi, thank you for water. This podium is so high. Can you guys see me well? You guys just see my face, right? (laughs) Nothing else, right? I'm just going to walk around a little bit, but nice to meet you, everyone. How many of you guys are uh, here for the first time? For the first time. Yeah, we have a lot of newcomers. Welcome, guys. Wow, you guys get to hear from uh, a very pleasant, funny speaker, <laughs> which is me. <laughs> My name is Myung-ho Choi. Like Caleb introduced me, Pastor Caleb introduced me. I was born and raised here until uh, all the way throughout high school, and then I moved to Seoul to go to college. Uh, and then that's when I uh, stepped into the church for the first time. So New Philadelphia, Hillside uh, campus that we talk about a lot here, that's actually my first church that I've ever been to. And then I got to hear the gospel for the first time, and seven years passed, and now I am here standing as a pastor, as a preacher, and it's my joy and honor. It's just mind-boggling. I can't really capture all the emotions. I mean, preaching in my hometown to a bunch of um, foreigners, <laughs> almost as strangers, but, you know, to a bunch of you guys, you know, speaking in English. I don't know. I used to be really poor in my English, too, so it's my honor and great, greatest joy ever. It's impossible to express what I feel right now. But God is good, truly. He's transformed me. I mean, if you met me seven years ago, I was the most depressed girl in the world. I was all about, uh, I was living for all the idol K-pop stars. That's all I cared about. Uh, I was bulimic for six years. I was depressed. I was afraid of people. I was under so many bondages, but God really delivered me. And uh, God brought me to this place of just proclaiming his goodness to the people, you know, who's yet to see that, you know. So, man, it's overwhelming right now. But I'm going to go into the Word. (sighs) And as I was worshiping, uh, you know, we sang the song, He Spoke Creation. uh, He, well, well, how does it go? (laughs) Uh, Anyways, the song that we sang... (laughs) You know, that he spoke the creation into being and all that. As we were singing it, I just heard the voice of the Lord saying, Myung-ha, I knew. Myung-ha, I knew. I knew that you were going to be born in Busan, raised here. And, uh, but when I was growing up, even when I was not even Christian, God knew. And when he took me to Seoul, he knew his plans. And when I got saved, when I was raised up as a leader, when I was um, going to seminary, he knew he had Zisad in his mind this campus that you guys are sitting at right now. He had this service in his mind. He knew today, you know, what's today? April 22nd, 2012. He knew that I would be standing here preaching to you guys. And I just heard him saying, you know what? I knew. I knew. Before the creation even began, I knew this moment. So I'm just so comforted. I just feel God's love all over this place. And God has a plan for you today. Amen. So Genesis chapter 37, let's turn there together. Genesis chapter 37. Oh, we're going to talk about Joseph today. He's on my favorite biblical character. Genesis chapter 37. 
New Philly uses ESV um, translation of the Bible, but if you have NIV or anything else, that's fine. But we will be reading from the ESV. 37. Um, you guys know the story of Joseph's life, right? And how he was the son of uh, Judah, and then Judah's favorite son was Joseph, and then Benjamin, the younger brother too. Uh, and um, how many of you know about Joseph's story? A little bit of it. That he later on becomes, um, you know, the authority officer in Egypt and all that story, right? But what I want to focus on today is um, verse 3. Uh, we're going to look at that right now. Chapter 37, verse 3. Oh, uh, I said Judah. I'm sorry. Jacob. Jacob. All right. It's Jacob. <laughs> verse 3. It says this. It says this. Now Israel, uh, that's Jacob's another name, Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a robe of many colors. So another translation in Hebrew, it could be actually a robe with long sleeves. And then uh, my Bible, the comment, comment, comment at the bottom says, the meaning of the Hebrew is uncertain, but I do believe that the robe of many colors, it represents um, favor coming from the father. I mean, even in Korea, I don't know if you guys have ever seen humble Korean traditional clothing, the beautiful dress and men look a little funny in them, but <laughs> but you guys all seen the pictures or the real thing of hanbok, right? Korean traditional dress, right? There's something called sektong hanbok. Sektong means just uh, different colors. And then they sew up different color clothes together to make up this um this this humble beautiful dress and you know, things like that, the robe, basically robe of many different colors. And if they wore uh, the one that was, uh, that consists of many different colorful uh, clothes, it, it meant that, oh, that, that person's rich, or that person's important, or it just showed that, oh, that person, someone just important and favored, you know, especially little kids, if they were wearing a sektong hanbok, that just meant that, oh, he must be only son, or like an only daughter, something like that, you know, so I think it's it's kind of fitting that, Joseph was wearing a robe of many colors. You know, what you wear communicate a lot. What you wear, you know, your uniform, you know, if you think about like soldiers, when they wear the uniform, it just kind of determines their attitude. A lot of sisters are here, when you wear like a dress and high heels, you know, you walk differently, you kind of talk differently, you flip your hair differently, <laughs> you know, it just feels different. What you wear communicate a lot of different things. You know, if you grew up in Korea, you probably know wearing a school uniform, it makes you act a certain way, you know. You could just tell, oh, you know, just by the, the clothing that the person's wearing, and that just communicates a lot of different information, even identity of a person, even like a job, right? So Joseph here, wearing a robe of many colors, I do believe it symbolizes the favor that was coming from his father, Jacob, you know? Clothing of a beloved son. Clothing of a favored son. He's my favorite. That's like a symbol of the robe of many colors. I'm here to preach to you, to every single person in this room, that that's what we wear. The robe of many different colors. You guys look around. You guys are pretty colorful today. Yellow shirt, I see green, and pink, and hot pink, and everyone. <laughs> it looks pretty, like, pretty amazing. Uh, I'm pretty colorful too. But, um, you know, we all are wearing that robe of many different colors as favored and beloved children of God. 
Do you guys believe that? Galatians 4.6, it says this. Spirit of His Son. So God's given us the Spirit of His Son that cries out, what? Abba, Father. So that's the Spirit that we received as we are adopted into the family of God. And we are sons. Philippians 1.21, you know, and Galatians 2.22, it talks about how uh, Paul's apostles, to live is Christ Jesus, and to die is actually a gain. It's interesting, to live is Christ Jesus, you know? And on Galatians 2.20 says, it is no longer I that live, but Christ Jesus lives in me. You know? It talks about living in Christ, living as Jesus Christ, basically wearing his identity, wearing his uh, uh, righteousness. You know, he, it talks about living as Jesus Christ. But then I do believe that deep down in these passages, Jesus' number one identity was uh, identity of a son. He, uh, the way he connected and communicated to the Father, if you look through all the New Testament, Jesus calls God the Father the most. When he teaches us how to pray in Matthew chapter 6, he, he, he tells us to pray, Father in heaven, you know? So Jesus, being the, being the Son, you know, even in the Trinity, his title, his label is the Son. It's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? So his number one identity as a Godhead is a Son, right? So us calling, being called to live as children of God, calling, being called to live as someone like Jesus Christ, and I do believe that the core of that is living as sons of God. Isaiah 61.10, I want everyone to turn there, actually. We're going to look it up together. Isaiah chapter 61. Verse 10. Let's read it. Uh, okay, all the ESV people, let's read it together. Nice and loud. Let's go. One, two, three. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation he has covered me with the robe of righteousness let's cut it thank you (laughs) you know it tells us that we're clothed with what salvation and righteousness you know bible does talk about us wearing god's grace wearing a garment of praise it tells us about all these garments and robes you know then what i want to focus on today is wearing the the robe of a beloved son a favored son. Do you guys know that when the Father in heaven, when he looks at us, he actually sees not Mina, not Caleb, not Jen. He actually sees the, the image of his own son, Jesus Christ. We are covered by his blood. We are covered by his grace. So when God looks at us, he doesn't see my issue, my problem. He doesn't see my sin first. The first thing that he sees is the blood that covers me, the righteousness that I'm wearing, and the image of his son that is upon me. When God looks at me, he goes, there's my favorite son. I know I'm a daughter, but I'm, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know, (laughs) I'm a girl, but, you know, God looks at me and says, oh, there's my favorite son. He's my favorite. She's my favorite, you know? When God sees us, he sees the image of his one and only son that he loves so much. You wear that righteousness, you wear the blood of Jesus Christ, and you wear the image of the son. 
I wear the clothing of a son. Why don't you guys turn to your neighbor and tell them you wear a robe of a son? Of many different colors. That's too long, right? <laughs> and let's look at the reaction to that colorful robe that Joseph was wearing. Uh, chapter 4. I mean, verse, verse 4. Genesis 37, verse 4. It's the first right after 3. It says this. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> so to that robe of many colors that, <laughs> that Joseph was wearing... Okay, the first verse is this, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. The brothers what? Hated him. You can imagine that, right? That, that little Joseph, I hate him. His favorite one, and all the hatred and jealousy just came toward him, right? When we wear the um, robe of a son, do you guys realize that the enemy hates that the bible says that creation the whole creation is longing for the sons of god to be revealed and that first i believe is talking about us believers realizing and waking up to the identity as sons of god not only servants not only just followers but as sons of god the whole creation is eagerly waiting for the revelation to go out but you know who hates that satan the enemy hates that he's actually afraid of god's people waking up to their calling he's deathly scared and he will do anything and everything to block you from the revelation of us waking up to the calling to be the sons of god you know what it means to be sons i'm saying sons sons but then sisters don't be offended i refer to myself as a son because sons receive inheritance you know in the bible uh Daughters didn't receive inheritance, but in Jesus Christ, there's no male or female. So therefore, we are sons of God because we receive the full inheritance from the Lord. So you are sons, all right? So <laughs> all the sons in this room, what it means to be a son, I believe that it's getting out of that servant mentality. Don't get me wrong. We are servants of God. And Apostle Paul keeps reminding us that you are servants of God. And I'm not denying that identity, but... Servants don't know the business of a master. You guys realize that? If master is doing something busy, servants cannot just go in and say, interrupt, and let's have some chill time. Let's have a cup of coffee. They can't do that. But sons, when they enter into their own house, they have full access to the father. The attention is on me. I, as a son, walked into my house, and dad, let's have some chill time, you know? They could to- you could totally do that. There's the intimacy that's on- that only exists between the father and son relationship. You don't get that as a servant. You walk in tippy-toeing. You walk in, oh, can I interrupt my master right now? Is my Lord busy? You know? But as a son, daddy, I'm home. That's how you walk in. Give me some food. <laughs> you know? When you walk into your own house, you open up your refrigerator. You take whatever you want to take. You eat it. Do you ask your mom about, mom, can I eat that yogurt in the fridge? Do you call your mom and dad every time you want to eat something from your own house? You don't do that. So when you walk into the house, knowing that you are the son of that house, there is freedom. There's not the word, it's impossible to translate, but there's a word called nunchi. Like the you nunchiba. Korean Americans know about this, right? Nunchiba, it's just, it just means that you, become very timid like you are afraid of people's reaction it's kind of like self-conscious you know a lot of people 
see God as a master and Lord, and when they walk into the house of God, they, you know, first they do, they, they check, you know, you know, nothing's wrong with me, you know, the attitude, and you know, just make sure that you repent every single thing that you did wrong, you know, during the week, and very scared, and then they think that God is just far away, He's Lord and Master, but then they don't realize that He's my daddy, so I can run to Him, you know, and He's always, He always gives me full access, you know. I have a friend named Peter, his name is Peter Palma, he's my seminary friend, He's a wonderful guy, white guy from America. <laughs> uh, just to help you guys imagine, imagine the picture, okay? So Peter, um, he, uh, has, uh, he runs an English ministry in Incheon up there. So he was, uh, having communion. Uh, he has a beautiful wife named Bo, and then they have a little kid named Caleb. <laughs> Caleb's really cute, by the way. Caleb's a toddler. He just started walking. He stumbles here and there. But then he was, um, actually having communion at his church, you know. You know, communion is kind of like a holy moment. It's solemn, you know, quiet, no one talks, people are crying. And like, he's he's doing communion, he's giving out bread, he's giving out wine. And then Caleb gets up uh, from his nap, and then he goes, Daddy! And then he just runs and stumbles to the front of the sanctuary. He just runs up to, he just ran up to his dad. And then what does Peter do? What do you think he did? Caleb, I can't hold you right now. I can't hug you right now. Here, go, go away, son. He didn't do that. Peter picked him up. He didn't care. Oh, my son's running to me. He picked him up and then held him on his one arm and then gave up, continued the communion. That's, I think, a perfect picture of our Heavenly Father. He, yeah, he's a busy man. God is busy. You guys agree? He runs this universe. He's pretty busy. But it doesn't matter when his child runs to him, he picks him up. All right, come here, my child. I always have time for you. I'm here for you. I have intimacy with you. And he picks us up, and then he continues doing what he's doing. You know? I do believe that that's a really beautiful picture of just God's heart, that he's our daddy. And so many of us are missing out on that. So focusing on, I'm a servant. He's my Lord. But there is that dynamic. There is that intimacy that you have access to right now if you run up to him. And I do believe it also has to do with inheritance. Inheritance sounds good, right? (laughs) Inheritance. Sons get inheritance. I mean, servants, they don't. They get paycheck. They get, um, they get, I guess, provided food, but they don't get inheritance. You know, inheritance only comes to the heirs. Heirs are sons. In Galatians chapter 4, it, t- it tells us that because you are sons, you are also heirs of God. So everything that God has, like I talked about the refrigerators, you know, it's all for you. Everything that God has, it's for you. He gives everything to you. He didn't spare his only son. You know, what will he spare for you? He's ready to give you everything. You guys get inheritance. And uh, one thing that this paradigm, this identity as a son of God, like uh, as a child of God, <laughs> sounds really wrong, right? <laughs> son of God. But um, as I stepped into this identity, one thing that really freed me was um, freedom from striving. Growing up in a Korean family, especially in Busan, I struggled with um, gaining approval from my family, especially my mom and dad. I always wanted to please them. Uh, I always wanted to be affirmed by them. 
But I guess I just didn't get it enough. My parents are amazing. But just the culture of it is I'm just never good enough. Academically, my behavior-wise and everything, like even like I used to be a little chubbier. And then I, I used to like struggle with like my body image and all that. And my parents just didn't help, right? They will always tell me, you need to lose weight. You know how some people are so straightforward? You know, you need to lose five kilos. You know, they will tell me stuff like that instead of telling me that you're beautiful the way you are. Instead of telling me you did well on your exam, but they will always say, you did well, but do better next time. You could do better next time. And I always felt like I was never good enough, you know? And um, one thing that I really learned is that God is pleased with me. Matthew chapter 3 talks about Jesus' baptism. It's before Jesus performed any miracle. It's before he did any ministry work. He was just a normal, like one of us. He was just a normal person. Carpenter's son. And then at, the, at Jesus' baptism, Holy Spirit comes on him. And then the voice of the Father was heard. And he says, this is my beloved son. And I am well pleased with him before he did anything miraculous no signs no wonders but i am pleased with you don't you guys realize so many times as christians we try to please god god if i do this will it please you if i do that will it please you am i now good enough can i finally hear well done you know sometimes we just strive to be accepted and affirmed by god but his heart is crying out to you right now i'm pleased with you right now before you do anything before you give me anything before you offer anything i have everything i don't need that i'm pleased with you my child know that and do everything out of the place of being my son don't try to become a son acting like an acting like an orphan, acting like a slave, you know, trying to gain approval, trying to be someone. You're already someone because he chose you to be his son. I want everyone to hear the voice of the Father right now. He is pleased with you right now. You don't have to strive for that. He's pleased with you. He chose you. He knows everything, every mess up. He knows. But he says, I'm pleased with you right now. Some of you really have to hear that, I feel like. But yeah, there's freedom from striving, trying to be better and trying to be affirmed and accepted. That completely left me. When I make mistake now, I laugh at it. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> you know, you know, I preach a terrible message sometimes and I just didn't make any sense. That's fine. God's pleased with me. He knows my heart. I did my best. And that is like tapping on my shoulder. Good job, girl. Good job, my little girl. I'm proud of you. You know, that's the voice that I hear from the Father. Becoming sons of God, it seems automatic. The moment you become a Christian, oh, I'm a child of God. But it's two different things. Two different things. You know, sons might not know that they are sons. You know, if you... If you look at like orphans, so they grew up as orphans, thinking that they're orphans, right? And then later on, let's say an orphan finds their birth parents and realize that, oh, I'm actually not an orphan. But then if you watch their behavior, if you watch their mindset, it stays the same way. They act like orphans, they talk like orphans, they live like orphans. Even though that's not true, because that's just the way they grew up. That's what they are used to. 
So even when they hear that, oh, I'm not an orphan anymore, they just still live in that mindset and lifestyle of an orphan. You guys get that? So just knowing that I'm a child of God and living that out in truth and freedom, completely two different things. I knew in my head that I was, oh, okay, now I'm saved and God is my father and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a child of God. But stepping into it and living as a free child of God, like really, it took me some time. So I'm just, I'm just bringing it to you right now, you know. I'm just encouraging you guys to step into that. What you heard, you got to possess it. You got to not just know it, but you got to tap into that and possess it, you know. You are sons. You are sons. Every person in this room, you are sons of God. In chapter 37, uh, we're going to jump to verse 23. Verse 23. It says this. So the brothers um, are now conspiring to like kill him. Let's kill Joseph. We hate him so much that we just want to kill him. So let's kill him, but then... Uh, God intervenes and 23 verse 23 says, So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. Uh, that he wore. And what happens is um, he's, one of the older brothers steps in and then actually stops other brothers from killing him. And then instead they sold him into slavery into Egypt, right? And um, it's so interesting. The first thing the brothers did was strip him of their robe. They took away the robe of many colors. What does this symbolize? The favor that was upon him, the love that was upon him. They hated that and they took away that identity as a favorite son. They were jealous. They hated it so much that first thing, let me take away that robe of many colors. And so many times that's exactly what happens to us. You know, so, so many times I think Satan comes, enemy comes, and he attacks us and tells us that you're not righteous anymore. You're a sinner. The identity as a sinner, Jesus took that away and he gave us righteousness. That's what we wear. But then Satan, enemy comes in to tell you, you just messed up. Let me take away the robe. You're not a son anymore. He comes, so, so many times he comes in and tells you the new identity you received from Jesus Christ, he tries to take that away and lie to you that that's not you anymore. Didn't you see just, you just messed up. You sinned against the Lord. He doesn't like you anymore. You know, he tries to take away the identity as a son. And then we fall back into, that's right, I'm a sinner mode. We forget that, oh, we forget that we are sons of God. We forget that he still loves us. We forget that he still accepts us. And then we just go back into, yeah, that's right. He must really hate me right now. That's what happens. Like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. When you do something nice for the church, you feel like a son. And when you mess up, you feel like a sinner again. You know, back and forth, back and forth. That's how so many of us live. But your identity as a son does not change. Okay, watch this, okay? It's Joseph's life. They took away the robe of the many color, colorful clothes. And um, it looks like Joseph's life is going downhill from here. He got sold into slavery. And then now as a slave, slave he's uh, working for this guy Potiphar, officer in the Egypt. And then he serves in the house, right? And then he becomes 
His wife comes and seduces him, and then Joseph runs away, but then he became like a rape suspect, and then he gets sent to prison, right? So he gets sent to the prison, and then this random cupbearer and baker guy comes in, and they're like, I, we had these dreams, and can you interpret these dreams? He does good job, but then the cupbearer guy who actually survived and was restored back to his position forgets about him. And then two more years were added into his prison sentence, right? So 13 years, okay? So when he was the favorite son, he was, se- he was 17, and then he becomes on, uh, like a second highest person in Egypt, like when he was 30. So 13 years of just going downhill. You know, does it, does it look like that? From a slave, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the, the raping incident, and then <laughs> he goes down to what? Like prison now, and then the, Guy who was supposed to like save him out of it forgets about him for two more years. It's just bad thing. One, you know, one after another. It's just going downhill, you know? Do you guys feel that? Feel his, you know? You guys see that? Like Joseph looks like he's walking downhill. His life is like going nowhere until he hits age 30. When, when, you know, it's chapter 41, but it looks like the, the process, the 13 years is just, he's completely forgotten. Is this Joseph a son? God, it looks like God doesn't care about him. It looks like he's just having a terrible life. All these people just forgot about him, right? But then the Bible, so strategic, the Bible tells us this. Uh, you guys want to turn to, turn to, da, 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 chapter, is it 30, no, 21. Let me read it for you, okay? It says this. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And then 23. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. Uh, and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. So it's, it's uh, one, of the, one of many scriptures that actually tells us that during that 13 years, God's favor was still upon him. God's blessing was still upon him. It remained. His steadfast love was still with Joseph. It's one of many passages throughout the 13 years, even in Potiphar's house. Even when things were, it looks like with natural eyes, things were going bad. God tells us through the scripture, no, my steadfast love, love was with him. My favor remained upon him. So what does that tell us? I mean, so many of us, we don't believe or it's hard to believe that we are favored sons of God. You know why? Because our life stories, things that we've gone through, tell us that, man, I've gone through so much. I've gone through some trauma, tragedy, some bad things. It just proves that I'm just not his favorite son. But if you look at Joseph's life without the help of those verses, Looks like he just has some terrible life for 13 years. Completely forgotten. God did not care about him. But then the scripture says, regardless of what he went through, or where he was, in the prison, as a slave, he was still the favorite son of God. Favorite son of Joseph, I mean, Jacob. <laughs> I almost said Judah again. All right, Jacob, right? He still was a favorite son and blessed son and steadfast love was upon him. You guys, I don't know what you went through. 
I don't know what kind of tragic things happened to you. Maybe you had really difficult times in your life. But maybe God's favor was still upon you. Just waiting for that turning point like chapter 41, that he will redeem everything. That he will turn everything for your good again to bless you because he loves you. And maybe you just skipped over those verses that's written in your life. My favor was still upon my son. My steadfast love is still upon you. I'm still with you. Everything that you put your hands on, I will prosper. I'll make it succeed. Maybe you were so focused on what was going on in the circumstance and atmosphere that you forgot about his favor that's still upon you. That was never taken away. When the brothers tried to take it away, maybe they were able to do do it on the robe. The robe was gone, but the favor of the father was still there. They could never take that away. It's impossible. When you become a son, you are a son. That identity, they could not take it away. Some of you are thinking about what has happened to you, maybe. But remember, favor of the Lord is still upon you. You are still his favorite son. And he is pleased with you. Yeah, that's all I want to say. You're our son. And I just want to end with this. I was on the subway ride from Busan Station with Pastor John, and they were talking about how just identity as sons of God. And he spoke something really powerful, so I'm just going to steal it and preach it. That's how we roll, all right? (laughs) He talked about adoption. We talked about how we are adopted into God's family. And so many times in this culture, modern culture, that we think adopted children is less love than our natural children. I think a lot of people have the mindset that adopted children, they have high, um, they, you know, they're more vulnerable to abuse because they're not their, you know, their parents own children, things like that. It's easier for them to be neglected. And it's that perception, you know, adopted children are less loved than the natural children. And John just spoke some sense into me, just saying that it's actually the other way around. You don't, my parents didn't choose me. They, <laughs> I'm being really honest right now. They didn't choose to have me. I just, I just, it just happened to be, they just had me, right? They had me, but it's not like they chose me. You know, they had no choice over me. But then if you think about adoption, you choose to adopt that child. You choose to love that child. You guys get that? John put it much better nicely, but... I can't exactly like recapture what he said, but adoption, you really think about it, you see a child and then you choose to love that child, embrace and accept that child. But with your natural children, you don't get to do that. When that truth just hit me, that wow, I'm adopted into family of God. And God, knowing all my faults, knowing all my history of sins, God, knowing all my brokenness in my heart, knowing everything about me, he still chose me and adopted me into his family. That means a lot to me. Adoption sounds even greater. (laughs) You know, it sounds better. I'm glad I'm adopted into his family, you know. And I just want to, yeah, preach that to you right now. You are adopted into his family. 
And you are not any less than his natural child, Jesus, you know? And you are wearing the robe of color of your clothes. You are wearing the favor. You are wearing the steadfast love. That's what you wear, and no one can take that away from you. It is impossible to lose that identity as a child of God. Can we all close our eyes and just take some time to pray? As Pastor John's going to just strum his guitar and invite the presence of God, uh, we're just going to take some time to pray for uh, some people. Uh, so if the church plant team members could come to the front, I'm just going to open up it's time for you to receive prayer. Uh, it's nothing scary. <laughs> they're just going to come in agreement with what I just preached, and they're just going to speak the truth over you one more time. I'm just going to pray for you. I believe that so many of us in this room are just stepping into the identity um, as a son. Not only as a servant, you know, not only as just a follower that I chose Jesus, not knowing that you are chosen by him first, striving to please him, but not knowing that he was already so pleased with you before you did anything. going through some difficult times feeling like God has rejected you he has forgotten about you not realizing that his favor was still upon you his steadfast love was with you his presence was with you Holy Spirit we just invite you into this room God I just pray for searching of the hearts Every single hidden thing in our hearts, Holy Spirit, come and search our hearts. Any brokenness, any deception and lie that we embrace, Father, over years, God. I just pray for breaking of that right now. And God, we just pray that the lie and deception will be just completely broken apart. And God, I just thank you, Father, that you are establishing truth and identity into their hearts.